What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Jalen Milrow reveals Bill O'Brien didn't envision him as a quarterback. Shots fired. Texas A&M finalizes their new offensive coordinator hire, and Kirk Herbstreet will preview the two big college football playoff games. One current SEC member and a future SEC member. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. We've got plenty to discuss, so let's dive headfirst into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Around the conference. And we're going to start with Jalen Milrow over at Alabama as, uh, look, Alabama getting ready for the national championship game and a lot of folks at Alabama talking this week, doing their media duties. And uh, well, Jalen Milrow was not afraid to reveal a little bit behind the scenes with former Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien. Brian was the OC at Alabama in 2021 and 2022 after he'd been fired by the Houston Texans as their head coach. But Milrow was asked Thursday, you know, have there been any discussions in the past about him switching positions? He said, how would you feel if I told you you sucked? That's exactly how I felt. Saying that Bill O'Brien apparently had discussions with him about not playing quarterback, but playing wide receiver. Melrow went on to say, biggest thing for me is to be true to myself and stay the same. Nothing has changed about me. The only thing that's changed is that I had the opportunity and I seized it. For me, the biggest thing was to stay true to myself and had a bigger purpose to anyone's opinion. One reporter asked Melrow about the position that O'Brien suggested he play. Melrow said there were plenty of options. He said, I mean, he, he told me that there were a lot of positions I could switch to, but look where I'm at right now. You know what I'm saying? Who gets the last laugh? Alabama fans got to be ecstatic that Monroe stuck it out at quarterback. I mean, look, he could have been a running back. He could have been a wide receiver. His skill set is that good, but obviously uh, stuck it out. And, you know, maybe Bill O'Brien, when Milrow was benched after the loss to Texas and got benched uh, in the South Florida game, you know, maybe Bill O'Brien was laughing, saying, see, I told you. But as Nick Saban stuck with Milrow at quarterback and the season went along, uh, he proved everyone wrong that he is a quarterback and was SEC championship game MVP and now a chance to lead his team to a uh, college football playoff victory and a chance to uh, possibly win another championship, add some more hardware to that trophy case. Now, Michigan defensive end Jalen Harrell, he was talking this week about the tough test they face in Jalen Milrow. Uh, the closest the Wolverines saw compared to Milrow, Rutgers quarterback Gavin Wimsett, who uh, rushed for a bunch of yards on Michigan. But uh, I don't know if he's going to be the same. I mean, look, Jalen Milrow is, is a different beast. He's hard to bring down space. He's got that breakaway speed. But Harold mentioned Thursday that Milrow hardly even looks like a quarterback. At six foot two, 220 pounds, he said he looks more like a linebacker to him. 
a physical runner, fierce competitor, and uh, we're going to see how Michigan attempts to bring down Milrow. Of course, he's improved as a passer as well. A few other nuggets here on this Alabama-Michigan semifinal game. Interesting nugget from the Rose Bowl media session. Uh, Dan Wolken revealed this. said Alabama has not let their players watch film on their own iPads, as they usually do as a protective measure due to the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. They're only watching film in groups. And uh, he said, just to drill this down a little bit more, the concern for Alabama appears to be related to the cloud service that distributes practice footage to, re to review on their own time. There were no public ac accusations related to Michigan and trying to hack the tide, but Alabama taking no chances. So I found that pretty funny. Uh, Alabama offense coordinator Tommy Reese was asked about that very subject, and he wanted nothing to do with it. He uh, repeatedly told reporters uh, he wasn't going to get into it. So uh, one last thing on this, Michigan linebacker Michael Barrett was asked about the video that came out that when you know Alabama was announced as their Rose Bowl op opponent that you know, nobody cheered and everybody was real kind of quiet and, you know, didn't look very happy. Barrett said, look, the reaction was funny because he said, I keep hearing everybody say we were scared because we got Bama. It was more shock of not seeing an undefeated Power 5 team get picked in Florida State. He said, we kind of figured all the undefeated teams were going to come and we were just debating on who would slip into that fourth spot. So not seeing Florida State in there was kind of a shock to everybody. But it, it wasn't really fear. Nothing like that of any team. It was just more shock. We kind of just were already expecting, okay, if Texas is three, then they've got to have Florida State at four. So we will see. Is Michigan afraid of Alabama? We will see it play out uh, this coming Monday afternoon as um, you know, it will be very, very interesting to see uh, how Alabama matches up. They're still the underdog against top seed, number one seed Michigan. We'll hear Kirk Herbstreit's thoughts on it in just a little bit. Other news around the conference. Colin Klein, officially named Texas A&M offensive coordinator. Reports that came out a couple weeks ago that he was going to be hired, but Mike Elko uh, and A&M putting out the news officially now that their season has ended after the Texas Bowl loss on Wednesday night. Klein will take over for Bobby Petrino, who departed for Arkansas. Wildcats uh, of Kansas State, where he is coming from, Colin Klein, uh, finished fifth in the Big 12 in offensive yards per game, 446 yards a game. Texas A&M, middle of the pack offense this year, ranked seventh in the SEC. But Colin Klein, of course, played quarterback at Kansas State back in the 2009-2012, uh, was a Heisman finalist the year with Johnny Manziel, and uh, very highly thought of. So to get him out of Kansas State, I think, was a big pull for Texas A&M, and we'll see how that offense looks next year with presumably Connor Wegman back as the starting quarterback. Over at Auburn, they are bringing in a former Cal quarterback in Sam Jackson, the fifth, but he will not be playing quarterback. Auburn will be changing him to a wide receiver, according to rivals. Uh, Jackson started his career at TCU in 2021, spent two seasons there before transferring to Cal. He missed some time due to injury this season, appeared in five games with three starts, passed for 556 yards and six touchdowns, but uh, of course, Auburn was led by Peyton Thorne at quarterback, the Michigan State transfer coming in, and uh, some ties. Those guys played together uh, in the high school ranks. So uh, Hugh Freeze getting ready for his Music City Bowl game this Saturday. But uh, we'll see how Sam Jackson figures into the picture catching passes next year from Peyton Thorne and company at Auburn.
few other notes over at Missouri. Eli Drinkwitz getting ready for his bowl game tonight against Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. And he was talking about his three big playmakers in Brady Cook, his quarterback, Cody Schrader's running back, and Luther Burden at wide receiver. And he said the coolest thing about them, they aren't selfish. They just want to win. They just want to win football games. Nobody's concerned about their stats or, hey, did I get my numbers or whatever. Uh, they're all team players. And, again, Brady Cook and Luther Burden presumably back next year at Mizzou. They'll lose Cody Schrader, but some talent still in that running back room. And over at Kentucky, Mark Stoops having his uh, Gator Bowl press conference on Thursday with his matchup against Clemson today. And he was asked about Clemson possibly joining the SEC. He commented, said Clemson looks like an SEC team on film. Uh, he was asked, you have any thought on Clemson maybe joining the SEC in the future? Stoops said, I don't want to be reckless. As soon as I say something, that'll be national news. So, uh, nonetheless, uh, that will kick off later today, depending on what time you're listening to this. Thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, a conversation with Kirk Herbstreit previewing the two big uh, college football semifinal games here in just a second, right here on Locked on SEC. This episode presented to you by our friends over at the Game Time app. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way for you to buy tickets to all your favorite sporting events. They got killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee, Game Time, is going to take the guesswork out of buying tickets. They're obsessed with helping you find ways to save money on tickets. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. So if you're in the tailgate lot, you hadn't bought tickets yet, you've been thinking about it, keep checking that Game Time app and see if the prices change. I'm sure some people will be thinking, oh, this ticket hasn't sold yet, let me drop the price a little bit on it. Game Time will take care of you. That Game Time guarantee means you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So go take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. I told you guys that... Went to an NFL game a couple weeks ago, bought tickets, did the all-in price. Shows you your full total fees and everything. No guesswork, no hidden fees. It's all right there up front for you. Uh, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to get $20 off your first purchase. Uh, terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem our code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Going along here, Locked On SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Come on back next week. We'll be uh, recapping all the action from all the bowl games happening this weekend. I kind of wish they had been spread out a little bit more so we could have spent more time focused on individual bowls. But nonetheless, uh, we want to hit on the two biggest ones, the two college football semifinals. And uh, our buddy Sean Salisbury, I don't know if you guys know this, but Radio station I work with, we have Sean Salisbury, and he was able to catch up with his good buddy, uh, Kirk Herbstreet, this week and preview the two bowl games. So, figured we'd bring you some of that conversation. Again, this is with our friend Sean Salisbury and Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, again, we're, we're being able to use this. They gave us permission to use this on our uh, Locked on SEC podcast. So, take a listen. Here was uh, first up Kirk Herbstreet with Sean Salisbury previewing the Sugar Bowl between a soon to be SEC member, Texas Longhorns, with uh, Washington. Here is Kirk Herbstreet. All right, let me start with this Texas and this Washington game. Kirk, we don't see, I mean, I do, Pac-12 guy, which is no longer, we don't have Pac-12 anymore after this one, but here in, between Texas and Alabama 
and Michigan, people in this part of the country and East always see far more of them. So while they hear about Penix and hear about Washington, they don't hear enough. So for Longhorn fans, what are they about to face with this University of Washington team and the challenges? You know, I'm not going to compare them to the, to the 2019 uh, LSU team that had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and, and obviously Joe Burrow, but it, it's in that realm as far as what you're defending. Michael Penix is, is gifted of passers we have in the country, a lefty that's got a big arm, big hands, makes every throw. Uh, played a lot of football, was at Indiana, and then had a bunch of injuries, transferred because Kalen DeBoer, who was his offensive coordinator at IU, went to Washington to become the head coach. And so he followed him out there. And Kalen DeBoer in two years went from Washington being irrelevant, not just nationally but in the, on the West Coast, to all of a sudden being a big-time factor. And he's loaded at receiver. I know Marvin Harrison got to Blitnikoff, but I, I think Roma Dunze, you'll, you'll see him if you're not familiar with him. Number one is, is a really, really gifted, one of the top premier receivers in the country, physical dude that can go up and make plays. They got a guy named Jalen McMillan back late in the year. He's a difference maker in the slot. Uh, they got a guy named Polk who transferred over from Texas Tech. So they got three or four options at receiver. So the point is it's hard to double one guy. And then the change from the USC game on, a game that I called at the Coliseum, is they can run the ball. A guy named uh, Dylan Johnson. So they've got different ways to attack. So you have Texas, who's got that big defensive line. You know, they've had a really good year on that side of the football. Can you make Washington one-dimensional, I think, would be a big part of this game. And then if you do, how can you get Penix off his spot? You know, how are you going to come after him? What are you going to do? Are you going to sit back in coverage? Are you going to roll the dice and come after him and lead yourself one-on-one against those receivers? So it is a serious dilemma. I personally think Washington's going to score. I think it's more about is Texas going to score with them and who's going to win the turnover margin. You know, the, the, the things that always affect field position in a game, but do not sleep or disrespect Washington and what they're bringing to the table. I think on a national level, People kind of poo-poo the West Coast. Yep. They poo-poo the old Pac-12. Ah, Washington came in. It was the last time the Pac-12 had a team in the playoff. They all suck. Be really, really careful doing that with Washington. They, they, these boys can play. Hey, Kirk Herbstreet joins us here. Herbie, what advantage? The big one of the best offensive lines in the country. One of the best. You know, those guys who put their hand in the dirt for Texas is about as good as there is in the country. Is that a standoff, and is it everybody else, or who has the advantage if there is one between that matchup? It's my favorite matchup in the game. Yeah, I, I, I would have to give Texas an, an advantage up front. I mean, you'll you'll see Washington. They don't have a, necessarily um, a lot of difference makers. It's got in Thule, number 91, who's by far their best player against the run. Um, I, I'm anxious to see how Texas and Sark, who's as good as there is, comes up with their plan. Because I think it's not just about putting points on the board. You know, Sark's one of these guys who, who plays complimentary football, and he's going to have respect for what Penix and those receivers can do. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. They have a balanced attack, lean on that running game, um, high percentage throws, kind of pick their spots to get the ball downfield to Mitchell and to Worthy when, when it, when it, when it uh, deems necessary. Because... Washington has given up some big plays through the air. You know, their, their corners 
um, you know, they'll leave them on islands. So you'll have opportunities, but I don't know if you want to get into a, you know, a 45, 42 shooting match, which quarterback has the last ball kind of game. I think it's, if you're Texas, you rely on the, on the line of scrimmage and you make it, you kind of, you kind of shorten the game by relying on that, that uh, running game and that balanced attack on how I would go after Washington. And real quick on that part of it, it with Washington that has one of the better offensive lines in the country, what, 11 sacks or something they've only given up? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned about getting yep. Penix off his spot. And then you got that great defensive front for Texas. Is this six and one, half dozen, and the other? Does Which one of those has the advantage in this game? I think in the running game, Texas, without question, with the interior, the force that they have with Murphy and Sweat would have an advantage just because they're, they're so dominant. I, I want to see how – now, don't get me wrong. What Washington, if there's an area, like I said earlier, that they've improved the most, I think it's with their physicality and with the continuity that they build on that offensive line and, and Dylan Johnson and the running game. And, and, again, just like LSU with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if you just got so worried about Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would may remind you whether he's catching the ball to the backfield or running the football. It was, it was enough there to make you respect it. It's exactly how Washington is. So – I, I, I want to see if Texas, I think, I think we know they're going to hold up against the run. Can they, can they apply pressure? Because when I watch Texas, unless they're bringing an extra guy, I don't know. Their strength is more about physicality and just being big. I don't know how great they are at being able to get after Penix. And, and he does such a good job. You look at those numbers, a lot of it has to do with him seeing things, almost like an NFL quarterback because he's played so much. And he just does a good job of getting the ball out of his hands quickly to avoid that pass rush. If I said this, this game's in the 20s, Texas wins, this game's pushing the 40s, favor Washington. Would I be close? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And, and it maybe doesn't get all the way to the 40s, but I think into the high 30s, yep. if it's going Washington's way. And it's like when you watch a hoops game in a college basketball, March Madness, and which kind of game is it? Is it going up and down or is it a half-court game? Not to say Texas can't run, obviously. they got a lot of talent. But I'm just telling you, it's in the DNA of Washington to, to have to put their foot on the accelerator with that offense. That's, that's, that's how they like to play, and that's how they, they've won a lot of games this year. More with Kirk Herbstreet and Sean Salisbury in just a second. Thank you guys for making Locked On SEC your first listen. Still more to come here. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, of course, covering your team every day. This episode presented to you by my friends over at the FanDuel, uh, of course, the app. You can uh, get it and uh, all the great action up there with uh, the NFL season winding down, only two weeks left. And, of course, all the bull action happening this weekend is up there for you on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on the action. Their app is super easy to use. Wide range of betting options up there. Spreads, player props, over-unders, all of it is up there for you. Do this. Go to the website first on your you know web, uh, mobile device or computer, desktop, whatever it is. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Make sure you put that slash locked on. That's going to get you the special uh, offer. And then uh, once you're signed up and good to go, you can switch on over to the FanDuel app. Super easy to use. Check it out every day for all of the action. It is FanDuel. They, they are the official partner of the NFL. And again, our preferred uh, uh, mo- mo- you know, use of uh, making uh, bets throughout the football season right here on Locked On with FanDuel.
All right, continue on here, Locked On SEC, bringing you our uh, buddy Sean Salisbury, his conversation this week with Kirk Kerbstreet of ESPN and College Game Day, previewing the uh, big bowl match or the uh, semifinal matchups in um, you know, taking place on Monday. Of course, we won't be with you guys until Monday, so figured we would bring you some of this conversation. And uh, our buddy Sean Salisbury, we're uh, interviewing uh, Kirk Kerbstreet over on our station, Sports Talk 790, this week. Um, of course, my other gig that I do outside of Locked on SEC. And I want to continue this conversation. So they're going to dive into the Alabama-Michigan matchup here. And then also in the tail end, Kirk, uh, Kirk's going to talk a little bit about the college game day gig, gig and uh, Lee Corso. There was just an article written this week about Lee Corso uh, does plan to return to college game day at least through next year. Uh, another run there with uh, college game day and ESPN. And Kirk Herbstreit talks a little bit about uh, how much, you know, his affinity for Lee Corso and, and their bond together. So uh, keeping that in for you, it's Michigan-Alabama preview and then a little bit on Lee Corso and college game day. Here's more of Sean Salisbury with Kirk Herbstreit. Kirk Herbstreit for a few more minutes here. Let him go. He's got some stuff to do. He's got a, a pretty good assignment tonight, another football game as he's working all the time. Uh, always on our TV screen, which is a good thing. This Alabama-Michigan matchup in the other semifinal uh, there's so many elements to this. It feels like a physical slugfest. I kind of feel like if you can speak in a one-dimensional, if you can make Milrow one-dimensional, he's improved as a passer. Take away his legs. How much shot does Alabama have in that one? I'll tell you this. I, I think first you have to say that if you look at Nick Saban's career that started, I think, in 07 at Alabama and look at everything that he's done, all the championships that he's won, and he's had some great years where – He's had to overcome some stuff. I, I would argue if you go back to the Texas game when they lost to, to Ewers with the big plays, they followed it up with benching Milrow, play another guy against USF. I mean, I, I can't remember that final score. Was like 13 they to struggled. Seven or yes. Seven. yes. Struggled. You know, they didn't, they didn't find an answer with Milrow on the bench. They go back to Milrow. You got a new offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese from Notre Dame. I, I would argue, and you look at their defense and what Ewers and Texas did in week two. To get to the point where they're playing really, really sound football, and I think some individuals grew up on, on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the back end, and I think Milrow and Reese, just they found an identity, which is this guy throws his best ball is his deep ball. You know, he throws a very – it's not like he's just a guy that can run around. He's got athletic ability, but I think his background was more just let's, let's win one-on-one and get the ball thrown downfield because he just looks so natural doing that. So they, they realized that that was a strength, and then they just found ways to be more efficient. You know, I, I, and I got to roll up my sleeves with Tommy between now and the first for the game, but I don't know if it's simplifying the reads or going half-field reads or whatever they did. He started to become much more efficient, avoided the turnovers, and he's not always relying on his legs. I think he's he'll go through at least the first and the second progression, yep. then he'll go to his legs. He's gotten better. Before it was, yeah, before it was primary – force the ball or take off running. So I think um, Michigan's defense, boy, they, they don't have a lot of individual superstars, but typical Michigan, they don't like make a lot of mistakes. They're going to make you earn everything that you, that you uh, come up with. So I'm with you. I think you try to take away Milrose's ability to escape. You try to take away that, that vertical shot downfield and Will Johnson, the corner that they have number two, it's one of the top corners in the country. So um, does Alabama have the, the skill on the outside to be able to win one-on-one downfield? And I think if Michigan makes Milrow be patient and kind of drive 8, 10, 12 plays, 
make him do that consistently for 60 minutes, and it, it may play into the hands of Michigan if it goes that way. I'm going to let you go, but i got to leave you with this because I, I, I know how you feel, and it always gets me in my emotions and feels that I can't imagine what it is for you. How much longer do we get to enjoy Lee Corso sitting next to you? Well, as long as he's feeling, as long as he's feeling up to it, you know, uh, this year, uh, Pat, uh, McAfee, uh, you know, stepped in to, to do a lot of the segments, uh, Desmond, myself, Reese and, and Pat and coach, you know, he would start the show. You do another segment around the middle and then of course come back for another segment and then the, the big, uh, pick segment at the end. And I think it's just one of those guys, one of those things where depending on how his health is and how he's feeling, will probably dictate, you know, what uh, still, what the plan is. He still loves it, doesn't he? very sensitive Kurt. to it. Yeah, he loves it, What's doesn't that? he? He still loves it, doesn't oh, he? Oh, man. Lo- loves every minute of it, works at it, you know, studies film. You know, just so people understand, when you have a stroke the way he did, it's, it's, it's his cognitive thinking, even at 88 years old, is sharp. It's just sometimes tough to get the, the words out yep. for him, and, and I, that has as much to do with the stroke uh, that he suffered, you know, 12 or 13 years ago is anything. So, but yeah, I mean, he loves it. He's, you know, he's right in the middle of the meetings. Guy gets on his flight, you know, he's connecting to Atlanta from Orlando, wherever we're going. I mean, every single week. And I think the fans from what they say to me, whenever I see him in person, I think there's just something settling about seeing him on the show and something that just people feel really good about um you know him being a part of college game day like we all feel so i always love to hear that from people like yourself and because you never know you know with him sometimes struggling to get his comments out you never know how it's coming across to people and so i think a lot of people they just you know they just want to see him you know and and i uh we feel the same way working with him the coolest thing we get on tv in my opinion is your guy's relationship your feelings for him his feelings for you it's the best relationship on TV. It's the best pregame show. It'll go down as the best pregame show that we've ever seen, especially when it comes to football and maybe any sport. And you're a big reason why, brother. Your emotion, your compassion for that, and the respect and reverence you have for him in the game is a pleasure to I see. And it. nobody covers it better than you. Keep doing your thing, brother. The reason people watch you and criticize and compliment is because you're a needle mover, and you do it for us, too. We appreciate <laughs> you, my brother. And I'll talk to you in the next couple of days. Good luck on this great next couple of weeks, and good luck tonight in the call. I appreciate you joining me. Yeah, man. thanks. appreciate it. I mean, we'll have to hook up uh, for the national championship. Uh, coming uh, I'm down. here. Let's go out and have dinner when you got a chance. I'll be waiting on you, brother. I love you, and I appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks. All right, brother. All right, Take care, man. You. That's the great Kirk Herbstreit. That's our buddy Sean Salisbury again. Uh, his interview this week with Sean Salisbury show over, over on my uh, other job by a station sports talk 790 and uh, had kirk on and uh again just was great stuff there kind of previewing the the matchups and then also talking about coach uh lee corso coming back next year on college game day and figured we'd bring you a little bit of that conversation heading into the weekend all right let's get into it uh we already got some of the bowl action taken care of so let's take a look at some of the bowl games and uh and our picks we uh picked uh i think we officially had picked texas a&m to beat oklahoma state uh, that was two weeks ago, and and obviously before we knew that Jalen Henderson was not gonna or was gonna get knocked out of the game. So we're zero and one in our picks there. But let's take a look at the other ones: Kentucky versus Clemson. Kentucky is the underdog, and tonight Mizzou versus Ohio State. Mizzou is the underdog. I feel like one of these teams is gonna pull off the upset, whether it's Kentucky or Mizzou. Uh, so let's go this way. We'll go Clemson. We'll beat Kentucky. We'll take Mizzou in the upset tonight against Ohio State. This just feels a little bit like. 
Remember Tulane and USC last year? Like, Tulane, it meant way more to them. I think this Cotton Bowl means way more to Eli Drinkwitz and Mizzou than it does to Ohio State. They don't care. Ohio State wants to be playing for championships. I don't think they're going to be very motivated or excited to play in this one. So let's go with Mizzou in the upset pick tonight. Uh, On Saturday, we will get Ole Miss against Penn State. I'm rolling with Ole Miss. I think uh, Jackson Dart and Lane Kiffin, they're all excited about all the pieces they got coming in this offseason. I think Ole Miss gets the job done. Auburn versus Maryland. I like Hugh Freeze. The future is bright. I'm I'm going with Maryland. I just think they're the better team. I don't think uh, Peyton Thorne will get it. Uh, will get it done. Uh, Florida versus FSU in the uh, Orange Bowl. That one, as we know, so many opt outs for Florida State. Tate Rodemaker, the uh, backup quarterback, he's not going to play, and uh, so they're on to the third string guy. I just think that. Uh, Georgia Georgia wins and wins big going away in the Orange Bowl on Saturday. All right, and then into Monday's games. We have got LSU-Wisconsin in the Rely Quiz Bowl. Uh, Garrett Nussmeyer gets his first taste of uh, a start for LSU against uh, Wisconsin. Let's go with LSU, even with Mike Denbrock on the way out. Uh, I think they will get it done with Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton as the interim OCs. Tennessee versus Iowa. We get to see Nico Yamaliava, his first start as a Vol. It's a tough test, man. This is one of the best defenses in the country in Iowa. I think Iowa wins a low-scoring game. I hate to say that. I think Tennessee will find ways to still run the football. This is going to be a true test for Josh Eipel. You know, how, how good is your offensive scheme? I, I, I think Tennessee is in it, but I think Iowa wins an, a dirty, ugly game Late, maybe Nico kind of has a couple moments, you know, a couple bright spots, hits a couple deep balls, but also makes a mistake or two, fumbles a ball or throws a pick or something. So we're gonna go Iowa. I just again, I, I'm rooting for Tennessee. I'm rooting for all the SEC teams, and then Bama versus Michigan. Look, one thing with Nick Saban, when you give him time to prepare, he wins like ninety-something percent of his games with extra time to prepare. We see it every year in those season openers where they had all off-season a game plan, and then. These playoff games, typically, when you got over a month to game plan and look at film and design, Alabama typically wins those. So we're going Alabama against Michigan. And in the other one, I'll take Texas to beat Washington. We'll get a Texas versus Alabama rematch in Houston for the national championship. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Everybody have a great, safe weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week, recapping all the action that happens uh, in all the SEC Bowl action. And, uh, again, shout out to our everydayers. Come on back on uh, next week and check us out. And for your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today, the YouTube channel streaming 24-7 with all of our national coverage. Great stuff there. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for watching.